0: Hey, everyone, Matt Williamson here. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino. Folks, it's all going down at the FanDuel Sportsbook and Lounge at Live Casino, where you can get in on all the action this football season. Bet on your teams with a sportsbook rep or at our self-service kiosks, and then jump into the stadium on our giant 40-foot video wall. How's that for a touchdown? Join your friends at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall, bet, watch, and win. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Here's the deal. Uh, The game just ended. So these are very, very much my initial thoughts subject to change. Mike Tomlin hasn't even done his press conference yet when I'm recording this, but I really like the schedule that we are on right now of Recording the day before, getting these in your ears early the next day. So, I wanted to keep that going so I can record tomorrow for your Tuesday. You know how it works and keep the same schedule. So, I fear, you know, to be honest, that this one won't have the quality that we usually have. It's just total initial reactions. Again, the game just ended. And. I'm going to buzz through my notes, a couple things I highlighted, and then I have some bigger, you know, concepts from this game to dig into as well. So obviously things did not go well early. I mean, I'm going to kind of look at this chronologically. Kickoff, first drive, right away it looked like the Steelers, right away this looked like the Steelers were doing to be fine, and then wow, they're just starting to roll all over the Steelers, um, attacking the middle of the field, between the numbers, up the hashes, and really nice pace to how Miami was playing. They were clearly the better team early on, and that was huge. But they couldn't convert, and as Chris Collinsworth said in the broadcast, you know, the Steelers are hard to kill. Minka bro- broke up that Mostert touchdown catch with an awesome hit and keep it to 10-0 at that point. Um, really stopped the bleeding a little bit, You know, at least kept their head above water. This thing could have had that feel like it could be 30 to nothing before you know it. So a couple little nuggets as we were watching. Um, the Bethel interception, I don't know that I agree with this, but I do think it's noteworthy that the expert ref they have uh, said it should have been a defensive pass interference because their feet got tangled. Um, I forget exactly what the ruling was, to be very honest. If it were me, I wouldn't have thrown a flag. I don't know the rules as well as the the, the expert refs, but apparently they thought it was uh, a defensive pass interference call. That would have been huge, obviously. It, but before you knew it, it was 13-0. Minka broke up another pass, again, to stop the bleeding. And at this point, it's 13-0, and the Steelers don't even have a first down yet. You know, it's like, oh, boy. But then things started to turn. I mean, I really think from that point on, the Steelers were the better team. Um, Just, some again, some other notes here. Uh, Ball, here's what I wrote down. Ball really coming out quick for for Tua. No answer by Steelers. Probably too afraid to press at the line of scrimmage and make him hold the ball which I totally understand. That's the beauty of this team. We talked about Miami a lot last week of how they are constructed because of those two ridiculous receivers. You don't get much press. And so you play call accordingly on the other side of things. (laughs) My note was, you know, when the Steelers had the ball, why aren't they attacking these bleep bleep crappy cornerbacks? We'll get to that in a little bit too, but I thought it took them too long to really attack the corners, and they never went after Howard. Good or bad? I'm going to have to watch this a second time to know if that's a good idea or not. Um, I did love the Pickens touchdown catch. I mean, at this point, we make it 13-10. And what I loved about it, obviously, is Pickens is an extreme talent, but Kenny came to the line and knew he was going there immediately. Decisive. I got Pickens in the goal in the red area, one-on-one. I'm going there the whole time, and then the total stud goes up and contorts and grabs it. Great sign of things to come, and I mean for the next, like, 10 years. I'm not even talking about, like, next week versus Philly or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but he's been decisive in this game, selling through his reads overall, I wrote down there as, as, at that point. So halftime rolls around, 16-10. Miami's averaging seven yards of play versus 5-4 for the Steelers. Not brutal. Time of possession's about the same. Uh, Miami's had 13 first downs against nine for the Steelers. Only one Steelers penalty. Okay. You know, Tua's got 180 yards, 106 of it to Hiller and Waddle. I also mentioned two, Tua also had two interceptions that were dropped by halftime. Pickett was 13 for 16 at that point, you know, for 98 yards. Fine. Sears had a little bit of a running game going, fifty-nine yards on thirteen carries. Miami had about the same, twelve carries for sixty-six yards, no sacks you know, by either team. Okay, I mean, but they're down on the scoreboard, of course, sixteen ten. Um, I made a note here too. You know, I watched a lot of Miami going into this game, of course. Best O line, best Miami's O line has played in a while. There's certainly a Armstead ripple effect. Have they hit Tua, question mark? And I just remembered once whenever he scrambled. But that's a problem here. Um, Fourth and three on the 14. You know, stuffed by Ogan Joby. I thought that was really bad by Josh or by McDaniel. I make the (laughs) once in a while I call him Josh McDaniels and, you know, Mike McDaniel. I get those two screwed up. But. I think Mike McDaniel overall is a tremendous offensive mind and he's learning how to be a head coach. And there were some decisions here where he hurt his team a little bit. Game management. This was one of them. Uh, Later on, third dropped INT, this one by Edmonds. Um, And then I just wrote down again, another first down run for nothing. And I mean this when the Steelers have the ball and not testing Howard at all for some reason. And they hadn't shown the graphic yet of him, All, you know, many of his snaps. You know, they were showing the replays. And we'll get to that a little bit here. Um, they got to a fourth and one situation and punted. I tweeted about this. It really bothered me. They really shouldn't have. And in that situation, here's my problem with not necessarily punting on fourth and one, but have the, the wherewithal before the third and one to say, we've got a stacked box. We already know at that point we're going to go for it on 4th and 1. Let's take a shot on 3rd and 1, as opposed to running your short yardage stuff on 3rd and 1 at midfield. Wait for that for 4th and 1. On 3rd and 1, take your shot against a stacked box against a 1-on-1. That's what aggressive teams do. And I don't want to hear because Pickett's a rookie. I, I, that just doesn't hold water with me in this instance. Because he belongs. So then you get to fourth and one and you punt. And again, I tweeted one of these sites that has the analytics of it all. And, you know, they, they basically said, you know, here's what here's what they said. Pitt decided to punt to Miami from the Pittsburgh 43 on fourth and one with 14 minutes and two seconds remaining in the fourth quarter while losing 10 to 16. Uh, they call it a surrender index of 10.0. The punt ranks in the 94th percentile of cowardly punts of the night of the 2022 season and the set 92nd percentile of all punts since 1999. Now, I don't exactly believe those things to be gospel, but it still makes me a little crazy. And, and for the reasons I mentioned, because you don't handle third down right either. You know, a um, couple things I mentioned here and I'll get back to. Great tackling again by Steelers in this game. Thought so as well with Tampa. Armstead dominating is a note I have here. Their left tackle. Huge ripple effect for their offensive line. Um, Also, Steelers handling blitz very well. This is a blitz, blitz heavy team. O-line and Pickett playing, you know, handling the blitz extremely well. Uh, Miami going to more and more zone as the game went on. Um, it, you know, as you guys probably remember vague, you know, extremely well, but this is the end of the game kind of stuff where at one point you're driving and it's third and one, two awful penalties. It's third and 16 before you know it. And then you throw a pick to Holland, you know, who. Was quiet in this game. I talked about him last week. He's one of my favorite young safeties in the league. But stud shape, stud safety shows up in clutch moment. I mean this by Holland from the, the Dolphins. Uh, third and three. Another INT drop by Wallace, which to me is the fourth or fifth overall. So... Those were my game notes as I was watching them. Let's take a quick break, and I got a couple little other things to talk about. Again, this is gonna be a quick podcast. Tomorrow will be more in depth. This is immediate, immediate reaction. Barely have any time to soak in. So here are my big stats from the game, and most of them aren't even all that big. You lost a turnover differential three to nothing. I mean, when it's all said and done, rookie quarterback, whatever, you're minus three in turnover differential in a close game. I can win those. <laughs> I mean, this history shows you're not going to win those. But Steelers had over, 30, over 33 minutes of time of possession. Um, yards per play, six for Miami. for the Steelers. Not earth shattering. Uh, Neither is particularly great, to be honest with you. Steelers did average uh, over four yards per rush in this game. I think that's something to build off of. And 341 total yards by the Steelers. Okay. Um, Some of these are going to be repeats of things I said during there, but I just kind of pulled them down. I got a Word document here. Just kind of pulled things that stuck with me as things I wanted to make sure we talked about. First off, that crowd, hopefully some of you were there, 50% Steeler fans. I was on the pregame show, and Jerry Dulac mentioned he's like, they're projecting 50% of this stadium to be Steeler fans, and it sure looked that way, and you guys showed up huge. I think that's awesome. Made me proud. I mean, I love that. This is a bigger picture thing, and it's just very obvious to me because they couldn't be on further ends of the spectrum. And that's McDaniel versus Canada. Because both these guys are, quote, modern age, play action, lots of motion. One's like the best at it and one's like the worst at it. I mean, it, night and day to me, just with X's and O's and play calling and setting up the next play, like all the <laughs> end arounds the Steelers do. They don't ever lead to the next thing, you know, where Miami, they set plays up and the execution's better, but the play calling is just so much better. I really have a Matt Canada problem, to be honest with you. Um, quick back to McDaniel. Um, my, my note here, and I think I said this earlier in the pod, McDaniel's still learning how to be a head coach, though, you know, and much like Kenny Pickett's rookie season, I think rookie head coaches are the same way. It takes you at least a year to learn how to be an NFL head coach or quarterback. But Canada, I mean, especially early, Jets and Bubbles. <laughs> jet, jet motion, handoffs, bubble screens. and does And uses the Jets and Bubbles to set up nothing. Just don't get it. I really want to look at percentage of first down runs for the Steelers. I just know that they're way too high and I don't have the stats to back this up a minute after the game ended, but it's kind of well known that the most efficient play in NFL football is throwing the ball on first downs. This might even be my article this week, but for many reasons. First of all, you get predictable coverages. You don't have an advantage or a disadvantage in down and distance. You can dictate things to the defense more than the other way around. So many first down runs, you know, usually just right into the teeth of the, of the defense. And then it's second and th- seven or eight before you know it. Uh, it, it makes me crazy. And uh, I need to look at, I'm not even sure where I can find these numbers, but percentage of first down runs for the Steelers compared to the rest of the league, I bet is absolutely at the top, bottom, however you want to call it. Dropped interceptions are really the biggest story of the game. I mean, four or maybe five, four or maybe five dropped interceptions. None of them would have been super easy plays. They didn't hit you in the numbers or hand it to you, but you got to make two or three or five of them. I mean, come on, dropped interceptions. This game's a, a I don't say an easy Steeler win, but I absolutely believe the Steelers win this game if they catch half of those or three of them or four of them. Should have great tackling though by the defense. Great second half defense. Actually, great 3 quarters of defense in a row. I'm curious what adjustments were made or if just the execution was better or they came out a little cold, I can understand that. But there's always a flip side to these things too. Dropped interceptions and zero sacks and very little pressure. I mean, Sacks are definitely a quarterback stat and Tua gets it out quick. And I was very impressed with the pace he played with and how quickly he played. But you gotta hit him. I mean, that was my number. I, I didn't to the game. My first one was hit Tua. Didn't hit him hardly at all. Didn't affect him as a passer, hardly at all. Very little pressure. Um Pickett belongs. That's that's the biggest thing here. I and mean, we could talk about the dropped interceptions, you know, whatever. Kenny Pickett's an NFL quarterback. I already know that. I believe that in my heart. Great verse blitz. He belongs. He's learning. There's going to be some. There's gonna be many learning pains. You know. I mean, there's the growing pains tonight are a perfect example that I think we'll look back on a year, five years, ten years from now and be like, remember when Kenny figured out how to do these things in crucial situations? And how many two-minute drills does he even run? You know. So, he belongs. That's the whole key to the season. I mean, that's the big picture, slam-dunk thing that matters most. But, once again, one one to three TD to interception ratio. and a bat, I mean, a lot of turnovers already for this guy. Half of them aren't his fault. But, they still happen. Finn's secondary. Um, they lost Jones. They didn't go after Howard. They attacked... Noah Agamagany, whose name I destroy. I also think that the refs really let Miami, and it played to their strengths, get away with being very grabby in this game. And I can't wait to watch it again, especially in the All-22. But I'm also a little critical that they should have attacked the secondary more. It, it was a weakness. The corners are bad. People have been attacking Howard like crazy, and the Steelers didn't at all. And they showed... 10 different plays or so, maybe eight of, boy, Howard's locking everybody down. I, I thought on almost every one of those, there was a borderline defensive holding call or very grabby. He was a great corner. He hasn't played like a great corner. I would have just liked to see more testing of Howard. Maybe he played the game of his life or, or a game like he used to play and they had, it was never open. That's absolutely possible because I do think he's a great player that hasn't been playing great but I would have liked to see more attacking the Finns' secondary. Um, again, Armstead is a great left tackle when right, and he was right in this game, and it had a huge positive ripple effect for Miami's offensive line. Best I've seen that O-line play all year, clearly. Um, a couple little other nuggets that aren't really tied to this game, but I just saw this on a tweet. I don't haven't confirmed it, but it adds up to me. Steelers are the only offense in the NFL now that have not produced 20 points from the offense. I'm not talking about pick sixes and things like that. I mean, Carolina put up. Well, that's the other thing here. Carolina put up. 20 They're the worst. Any metric you've seen is the Carolina Panthers. And they put up more than 20 points today on offense and beat the Bucs, which doesn't exactly look so good for the, the Bucks losing in the, <laughs> right now. I mean, beating the Bucks last week doesn't look as good now as it does that and is my, is my nugget here. But do you, do you do something with Canada to buy? I think you have to consider it. I mean, at least strip them of play-calling duties because it's not working. And they're doing some good things despite the play-calling, in my opinion, despite the offensive design. Um, and before this game, this is my last note. I just was a little shocked by it. They flashed this late in the game. Since 2016, the Steelers are 42-20-2, and two, two ties, in one possession games. That's two-thirds of wins in one possession games. You know I'm a nerd with a lot of the stat stuff, but that is one of the most predictive stats in the league, that one-score games always come back to the mean and that at a big sample size like this one, 9 out of 10 teams win about 50%. Well, the Steelers are way over that. I also don't think it's a coincidence that New England's one of the teams that's well over it. Seattle, um, I think Green Bay, really good coach-quarterback combinations over that period. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, they didn't end up winning this one, so you can chalk up one more loss than what I just said. but I, I was just shocked that it was that strong over that period of time. It says a lot about the organization. says a lot about Ben. Uh, says a lot about Tomlin. So that, that's my thoughts. tomorrow we'll probably have some things that I'm gonna you know change my mind on on first opinion. you know, I'm looking at this thing a couple times over. Going to dig heavier into it, but I just want to get this in your uh, earbuds as soon as possible. So thanks. Over now.